0: as most of you heard it before, I'll try not to be long. I was raised without my real father. I found that out about the age of nine or ten years old. I had a good mom and daddy. He adopted me, gave me his name, was raising me, worked, provided for me, provided a living. For whatever reason, mom and my real father, they'd split ways. He wasn't a part of my life, and that's just the way it was. But I found out about the age of 19 years old that, you know, I had a real father that I'd never met, and I found out the man that I'd been calling Daddy wasn't my real father. And some of you tonight may not understand that, but that's pretty hard on a young You find out that the two people that you trust more than anybody in this world haven't been fully honest with you. And I wouldn't say nothing here tonight to hurt my mama. My daddy or my real father. But that's just the way it was. And I can't explain what it done in this little boy's heart and how it hurt me and how I'd lay in bed and how I'd cry the night. I can't explain the bitterness and anger that it put in me towards Marvin O'Dell, that man that adopted me that I called daddy, that raised me because I knew he wasn't my real father. And because of that, I hated him. And at the same time I hated him, I also hated my real father. Even though I'd never seen him since I was just too little a baby to even remember, I I didn't know him. I I didn't have a relationship with him. Nonetheless, I hated him. Now, I'm going to try to go somewhere with this. But I began to build bitterness and anger and unforgiveness and hatred in my heart as a young man. By the age of 12 and 13, I was becoming rebellious. I would tear up anything around the house, anything they asked me to do. he said, go weed eat, I'd tear up the weed eater. Go mow, I'd tear up the lawn. i just... Everything, I was just angry and mess everything up, and just hateful and and just so full of bitterness. And I didn't even realize it. I didn't know what it was. And you see something about children and how. The devil works in their life. He don't know that there's. They they don't know that there's other people out there that's got problems like that too. They think in their little mind that they're the only one. They think in their only mind that, that they're so singled out. And the devil tells them so many lies. And 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 why does this happen to me? Why am I going through this? Why am I like this? And then they start looking for outlets. They start looking for things that they can do and use. Hey man, to try their best uh, to deal with the bitterness and the anger and the unforgiveness that's in their heart I had somebody come to me mamas many times and can you help my child they're on drugs, they're on alcohol I said the first thing we'll have to do is figure out what's making them use drugs and alcohol I said because most people don't just wake up and say I'm going to be a drug addict today but most people there's something underlying, there's something going on inside of them there's something hidden down in their heart there's something that's pushing them to take that drink to smoke that dope to use that needle there's something that's pushing them that way there's something inside of them that's bothering them so bad and they don't know how to deal with it and 99.9% of the time They ain't got Jesus. They're lost and they don't know it. And the devil gets in and he takes them down a long, lonely road. By the age of 15, I'd already been smoking marijuana, drinking everything I could get my hands on. I'm not up here tonight boasting of sin. I'm not proud of this at all. I hate the fact of the things that I've done in my life. I'm very ashamed of it. I was rebellious. As soon as I got old enough, I'd use every excuse to go here. I'd tell Mama, I'm spending the night on Saturday night with this person. She'd say, well, they go to church. Oh yeah, they go to church and I'd lie through my teeth. I wouldn't go to church. I'd do everything I could to get out of church. You see, I was raised in church. Mama was a piano player. I went to church more than most of y'all. I went to church more than preacher's kids, believe that or not. How do you say that, preacher? I'll tell you how. Because I went to church for Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night church. I went for youth choir practice. I went for quartet practice. I went for wedding rehearsals. I went for funerals. I went for choir practice. I mean, mama's piano player. I had to go to church. I, I was tucked. But despite my teachings, as they sung that song, the Good Shepherd. Despite my teachings, I strayed from God. Despite what I knew up here, it was not here. And I wondered and went my own way. I rebelled against God and every authoritative thing that there was in my life. I'm not proud of that. I'm not proud of the fact that halfway through my senior year, I quit school, but I did. I did. The night of my 18th birthday, I'd been working in Mississippi. I'd been on a job for two weeks. The man promised us that if we got the job done in less than two weeks, that he'd give us a $500 apiece cash bonus. We got the job done in exactly two weeks, and he done exactly what he said. But for two 20-year-old boys, I was 18, the other fellow was 20. For two young boys that come home, $500 cash bonus ain't too good a thing for us. He handed us the money. We went and got a big bag of pot. We went and got some beer. We, we was having a big old time. We were smoking. We was drinking, living it up, partying it up. We were at his mom's house. We were, went out. We was riding around town. Next thing I know, we get in the car with a girl. Next thing I know, they say, you want to get high? I said, yeah. We start rolling a joint. They're driving way down on the lake. We're way down through there. I couldn't figure out why they'd went so far. We'd been smoking pot all night in town. I couldn't figure it out riding around. We got down there and she reaches in and pulls something out. I'd never seen it before. It was a little glass pipe about that long. They began to smoke it in the front seat. They looked at me. They said, you want some? I said, why, Sure. They handed it to me, and I smoked it like you would a pot pipe. I I lit the flame through the top. They said, you're burning our dope. I didn't know. They said, do it like this. I'm telling you the honest to God's truth, I didn't even know what I was smoking. It was peer pressure. You see, I wanted to be cool. I wanted to fit in. I didn't want them to laugh at me. So I began to smoke that with them. And we went back to his mom's house and, and we was partying all night, drinking about 3 o'clock in the morning. I said, I'm going in and laying down because I knew that I ought to be passing out. I remember that night laying in that floor. I can remember it vividly. I remember his mom about 4 or 5 o'clock in the morning coming. Me laying on my back in the living room floor. And her standing over top of me. And me trying my best to squeeze my eyes shut. I could still see her standing there looking at me. And my eyes were just flying open. And I couldn't even make them shut. And I didn't understand that. That next morning daylight come. I went outside. They were still outside. I said what? did we do? What was that? He laughed. He said, you don't know. I said, no. I said, but I I can't sleep. I've been up all night. He said, man, that was meth. And for the first time in my life on my 18th birthday, just got home from Mississippi, I smoked methamphetamine for the first time. The next eight years of my life was a downward spiral on a drug That will take control of you and take you to places that you would never want to go. I separated myself as far as I could from family and friends. I was satisfied as long as I had a little dope, I was all right. But you see, tonight God has got a way of getting our attention. I made three professions in my life. I can tell you vividly about every one of them. I could sit in on that tonight and I could for 30 minutes talk about those three professions. But they were all without possession. I went through life. Every time I'd try to do better, I'd try to turn over a new leaf, so to speak, and I would get further and further and further down that road. I'd come back and I was more deep in sin, and it was just worse and worse. Me and my wife, we were married by this time. I don't understand, I can't explain why she married me, but I thank God she did. We had a little girl together. I wouldn't lay it down. I'd try to do better. I'd just keep going back and getting deeper in sin. About the age of 25, my wife, she became pregnant again. Now, this wasn't by us trying because she would not have had a kid with me the way I was living then. Now, I would tell her that I wasn't on drugs and she would believe me. She would never done no drugs. She was raised in a good family. Every bad thing she ever done in her life, I talked her into it. But she wasn't a bad person. And I'd tell her, no, no, I ain't on drugs. And she'd believe me. She said all along the back of her mind she knew better, but she loved me so much. And she fought for her marriage, and she fought for our little girl Caitlin. She fought for me to be a daddy and be a husband. She she didn't quit on me, and I thank God for that. But she was pregnant with our second child. January the 26th of 2009, we had our second child, Kelsey Grace O'Dell. Beautiful little girl. Beautiful little baby. Had her right over here in Silver Hospital. would have been enough to change any daddy's life. Oh, how I wished it would have. But I continued on. In my way, I was working, holding down. I thought I was doing pretty good. I thought I had it hid from everybody. I could pass drug tests. I could look you in the eyes. I could tell you lies. I ain't proud of that. I was a professional liar. I thought I was doing so good. I was working, I was still addicted. I was using drugs every day. God had a plan for my life. Now when you talk about predestination, <clears throat> this is my fault on it, and you don't have to agree. I believe there's things that we're predestined to do in Christ. I believe we have callings outside of the election calling, the salvation calling. I believe God places callings on people. Now, whether you believe this or not, you don't have to, but I'll I'll use the book of Jeremiah to back it up. He was ordained a prophet before the nations from before his mother's womb. God had a work for him to do. Now, I firmly believe that I was called to preach before I ever got saved. I believe God knows that. I believe the devil knows that. I believe he tried so hard to kill me. I believe he tried to ruin my life. I believe he tried to mess everything up and ruin everything because he knew what God wanted to do in my life. Now, I believe that. You don't have to. You don't have to fall out with me if you don't. These children that I've seen at this age, and I've seen the touch of God on them. They're not saved, but God spoke to me in my spirit. And said, I'll use them one day. God can get your attention. Yes, sir. I went to work one day. It was September the 29th, 2009. I'll never forget it as long as I live. I went to work. I was running a track hole. I was putting dirt in a waste area over here on the Bird Gap over in Franklin. Me and my brother-in-law, was building a state road. There's about eight men on that job. Now, my little girl had been sick for about two weeks. We'd had her to Asheville. We'd had her here, there, doctor's appointments. Could not figure out what was wrong with her. I went to work that day. It was about quitting time. I was running a track hoe. I was at the waste area, at the top of the job. There was about seven other men. I think it's eight of us on the job. About seven other men down the road, about a mile. There was a pickup come flying up the road, stopped on the yellow line, threw the door open, jumped out, began to hollering at me. I I jumped out of the tricot. Boom in the air, I still remember this. Door opened and I ran over to him. I could tell he was ecstatic. He said, there's something wrong with somebody on this job's child. I don't know who it is. I just got a call. They said to come up here. It was a man that worked for Kevin Watson, if you know him. Kevin's a friend of mine. It was a man that worked for him. Somebody called Kevin. They told him. They said, some of my family got a hold of him. They said... Call part of that job he said I don't know who it is but somebody up here has got a sick child you need to get to the hospital I ran one mile down that road I ran as hard as I could I could still hear my feet running down that gravel road and I got down there and I told my brother-in-law I said it's Kelsey I said there's something wrong I could feel it inside of me I just knew it I said there's something wrong we jumped in that black Chevrolet pickup I remember we flew across Highway 64 over into Hayesville. We come through Hayesville. Law enforcement following us. Blue lights flashing. Doing 98 miles an hour. That pickup cutting out. We were going through red lights. We pulled into the parking lot there at Murphy Hospital. I remember walking to the door. I remember my mother-in-law coming out and I hated everybody at this time of my life and I'm telling you that. That's the truth. I hated her. I hated my my father-in-law, I love them now. And they're wonderful people and ain't never been nothing but good to me. But at that time, I hated them. I hated myself. I hated everybody. And my mother-in-law said, you don't want to go in there. I ride back my fist. I was about to hit her. The sheriff of Cherokee County at the time, Keith Love, and they call him Bumper. He grabbed my fist. He said, son, don't do that. And he told her, he said, let him go. I remember walking into that double doors and I remember turning left and another set of sliding double doors and I walked through there and I looked over as you look into room number one and I remember as I looked over there sat my little wife she sat there in a chair and I still can visualize in my mind tonight she was holding little Kelsey Grace the life had done left her body her little lips were blue she was beginning to get cold boy, I melted, I crumbled, I fell apart. I remember grabbing my little girl. Now I'm going to tell you this, and, and this is hard to explain or understand, but I walked over against the wall, and I knew, even though I didn't personally know God, I knew a lot about God, and I knew He was the giver and taker of life, and I knew that He had done this. And I walked over to that wall, and I, I said, Why, God? Why? And I'll tell you, I was so heartbroken. I was weeping and I was crying and I held that little girl and she kept getting more blue. I can see her right now. Her little body kept getting colder and my wife would hold her and I'd hold her and we'd go back and forth until finally after about four hours, the funeral home came and they took that little girl out of our arms and they said, we've got to take her. Honey, you want to talk about something hard, you let them come and take your child out of your arms. You let them come and take that baby. I don't care who you are. That's hard. One of the hardest things I know I've ever been through in my life. We got in the car and we headed home that night. We lived in Andrews. That wasn't that far away, but it seemed like hours. I don't know if we spoke a word on the way home, me and my wife. Now here's where things are about to start taking a turn. I remember getting there that night to our little home. We didn't have nothing. I was a drug addict. I spent everything we had on drugs. But my mother-in-law and father-in-law, them ones that I hated that I was about to hit that night, they let us live on their property in a little apartment that belonged to them that they had fixed up. And they let us live there. And we lived in a little one-bedroom house, one bedroom, one bath, one kitchen, one little living room, tiny little place. But that's where we lived. And we were we walked in that night, and as we walked in, there sitting in my living room was Kenny and Donna Ball, the pastor at Sweetgum at the time. Jack and Linda Millsaps, a p- former pastor and his wife at Sweet Gum. My mom and daddy. My, my, my best friend, Coy Adams. A Sunday school teacher I had when I was young, Gary Jones. Uh, Jonathan Adams, a, a new convert, a young Christian at the time he's preaching now. There they were in my little living room that night. I didn't want to see anybody. I hated everybody. I just lost my little girl. It was the darkest time of my life. I wanted to be alone. Now here's something that's going to blow your mind. I had drugs, but I hadn't used them in three days. I can't explain that. I got high every day, especially if I had it. But I'd been sober for three days. I don't know if I was just so tore up about her being sick. If I was under guilt and shame. I don't know what it was, but I had not used in three days. I walk in that night, and here's the honest to God's truth. For the first time in my life, I saw the love of God. But it wasn't through God. It was through His people. I didn't understand that night that God used people. But when those people were sitting in my home that night, it blew my mind. Why do you say that, preacher? I'll tell you why. Because I had mistreated, abused, and and, and been mean. Some of those people sitting there that night, I had literally cussed out and I had literally told to leave me alone and stay out of my life but yet in my lowest tower there they were there they were showing me the love of God now I'll tell you what I didn't talk much I went upstairs I went to bed and I tried my best I couldn't hardly sleep that night boy you don't you, you ain't never been through nothing that's just hard and there that night I'll tell you I'll tell you what happened I got up the next morning and I remember going downstairs and in that same little home there was something going on that I couldn't understand they were people that little home was full of people out in the yard it was full of people they were people bringing food they were people bringing cards there were people hugging us telling us they loved us there were people giving us money a dope addict. I didn't understand that. I said, why are they giving me money? I didn't understand these things. I'd maybe been to two funerals in my life. I didn't like to deal with death. I just didn't even like the funerals I had to go to. Wasn't nothing I wanted to be buying. I didn't know how people, especially Christians, done things like this. It was blowing me away. There I sat in my recliner, still unfriendly, angry, not dealing with anybody. Everybody could tell that I didn't really want them to be there. They finally moved everything later the next day up to my mother-in-law's house. But something happened that morning that began to lead to my conversion. I was sitting there in that chair still angry, hateful, hurt, broken. I had so many emotions. I I couldn't even begin to tell you all of them. But I was looking out that little window to the right and I remember looking out and I seen this old red Chevrolet pickup coming up the driveway. I yearned in my spirit and I said, Oh, boy, I tell you, it's the last people in this world I wanted to see. Why? Because it was the two people that I loved more than anybody. My grandma and my grandpa. But it always, 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 always been nice for me. My grandpa was my best friend. This is odd. I was a young boy. He was an old man. He was my best friend. He was my best man in my wedding. He took me fishing. He learned me to work. He showed me things. He was my best friend. I loved him. But we didn't have a good relationship this time because I was on drugs and he didn't approve of that. So I was kind of not in his good graces. But here in my darkest hour, in my time of need, here come that red Chevrolet pickup. I remember just sinking my head down upon my chest. The doorknob turned, the door opened, and here come Grandpa. Head down, weeping, sobbing, slobbering, feet shuffling across the floor. I remember he got over there. He got close to me. And I remember him just falling down by that old red recliner. And he just grabbed hold of me. And I remember he kissed me right there on the cheek. I'll never forget it as long as I live. And this was the words that he said. Now, I'd heard a lot of preaching in my life, but nothing had never hit me like this. Grandpa wasn't a preacher. He was a quiet man. But he said four words that was about to change my life. He kissed me and he said, trust in the Lord. He was crying. He was weeping. He was shaking. He couldn't say anything else. He kissed me again. He said, trust in the Lord he kissed me again he said trust in the Lord I'm telling you I was so torn I was so broke I was so hurting our grandpa was I just sat our lifeless grandma come over she loved on me they were just so oh my goodness I can't even explain it but I'm going to tell you they sent my little girl off for an autopsy we had to go to the funeral home later that week we had to make arrangements we were sitting in the funeral home. I remember how they said this. I asked them. I didn't know nothing about funerals. I said, do we need to get Paul bears? funeral home man, he looked at me and he said, Son, he said, normally when a child dies, the father carries it to the grave. I wilted. I began to weep. Oh, I said, I can't do that. I went home. That man that I hated, that I despised, that I'd mistreated, my daddy, Marvin O'Dell, that raised me. I called him. I got on the phone. He answered. I think Mama did. She put him on. I can't remember the detail. He got on the phone. I said, Daddy. He said, yes, son. He is crying. He said, what is it? I said, Daddy. I said, they want me to carry that casket. I said, I don't think I can do it. I said, will you help me? He said, yes, son, I will. That Saturday, we went to the funeral home. We didn't have it in the church. I sat right about right there. Henny Ball and Daniel Stewart preached. I couldn't tell you a word they said. People sung. I don't know nothing about it. I was so fearful. The time come and they nodded to me. and I went and got that little casket about that long. (laughs) Carried that little casket and put it in that hearse. And followed that hearse to the graveyard, Valley Town Cemetery, and got that little casket and carried it to the graveyard. Daniel said a few words. I don't know what he said. But that day, God was working in my heart. For days, I hadn't been able to get away from those four words. Grandpa told me, trust in the Lord. I told God that day on the cemetery, I said, I'll go to church tomorrow. And I did. I went to church that Sunday. I can't tell you one thing about that service. I don't remember what happened. I, I don't know if I went to the altar. I know this. I left there feeling better because I'd went to church. I wished I could tell you I went and I got saved that day, but it didn't happen like that. I went back to work. Something happened. Flared up my anger. I got mad. You see, that stuff don't go away. It's a root of bitterness. It's growing inside of you. It has to be dealt with. It's deep. I mean, it runs deep down in there. You can't just chop off the tree and think the root will go away and die. It's down in there. I remembered those drugs I had. When that anger and that bitterness swelled up, my mind went back to the drugs I had. I'm not proud of this. I had a water mass, probably about that big ram. I, I still can't explain it to you. It'd been a week and a half, and I hadn't done none. I had it. I knew it was there, but it was like God was just keeping me from that somehow, some way. I am so ashamed of the fact that even after my little girl died, I went back to the drug. But it's all I'd known for eight years. Drugs and alcohols all I'd known for 13. Meth for 8. I went back to the drug. I'd done every bit that I had at one time. I don't know. I'm not proud of this. I was an IV user. I don't know if it was dirty. I think it was just God. I'd never been that sick in my life. For three days, I thought I was going to die. For three days, I literally thought I was going to die. I'd lost my little girl. I knew where she was at. I was falling under conviction. I knew that if I died, that I wouldn't go where she was going. The words, trust in the Lord, kept echoing through my mind, and I knew that I had never really done that. I'd always tried to do everything my own. Even in salvation, I tried to do it. I tried to be better. I tried to read my Bible. I tried to go to church. It wasn't inside of me. God wanting to do it through me. It was always me. I never really trusted in the Lord. I was under conviction. I, I, I'll tell you how wicked I was. I'm not proud of this. I didn't have a Bible in my house. But I remembered that up there in that little building where I used to sit isolated from my family and get high. I remember that they'd give me one whenever I got out of school and I knew it was hidden in a box up there and I went and I dug and I dug and I searched and I found that Bible. I remember getting it out in that old outside moldy musky building and it was a maroon colored Bible leather. I remember it was molded green and I wiped that mold off of it. I took it back down to the house. I thank God even though it's moldy on the outside, it didn't hurt what was on the inside. Amen. I got that Bible open I remember I began to read I read I, rem- I didn't know a lot I, I mean I'd been raised in church I'd been to Bible school I'd sit under preaching but I knew nothing about the Bible I was flipping I was searching I was reading red letters I don't even know if I knew that they was from Jesus then but I didn't know this I just kept a digging I mean I was looking for something I was needing help I was low as a man could be boy I'll tell you I lit over. Over there on 1 Corinthians chapter 6 about verse number 9 I remember reading down through yonder where it said know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God and then there's three little words that's about to rock my world the Bible said be not deceived boy I'll tell you I began to read down through there it said neither fornicators adulterers idol." I mean there's a whole list of stuff down through there I was about half of that if not all of it I found myself guilty before God that day and for the first time in my life I'm going to be honest with you I'd been scared of going to hell before I'd wanted to be saved before because others around me was getting saved I knew that I wasn't saved but for the first time in my life I seen that Jesus that God loved me I seen that Jesus he died for my sins and such were some of you, but you've been washed, you've been made nigh in the blood of Jesus. I knew that Jesus died for me if I'd been the only one. Boy, something about that, it got a hold to me. It's the goodness of God that leadeth thee to repentance. Honey, by right day, I felt the power of God and the love of God like I'd never felt it before. I can't explain it. I don't know how. I don't have the words. I can't tell you what happened. All I can tell you is what I done and what he done. I fell down that day in my living room floor at 186 McClellan's Creek. I fell down in a puddles of tears and snot. I began to cry out to God. I said, Lord I can't do this anymore. I said, Lord I've made a mess out of my life. I began to tell him things that I'd done like he didn't know it. I began to call my sins out saying Lord I'm this and I'm that I felt so awful that day but I said Lord I need you to come into my heart and Lord I need you to save me and honey I'm telling you there's something hit me that day and praise God I come up from there a brand new man honey I want you to know it's the best thing that's ever happened under this old boy I ain't got over it yet and I don't plan to praise God as the old preacher said It just keeps a getting gooder and gooder And better and better uh, Praise be unto God Like the old song says Every day with Jesus Is sweeter than the day before Praise be unto God